Hey everyone, welcome to Insurance Uncovered. Today's all new episode is produced by the National Association of Mutual Insurance Companies. And as always, we are back as your source for insurance news and perspective from thought leaders in the property casualty insurance industry. I'm your host, Kathy Imus, and today we're uncovering new legislation to strip the Federal Insurance Office of its subpoena authority how this move will help both insurers and policyholders alike. Plus, the new era of risk affects all aspects of the insurance industry. We sit down with one of NAMIC's largest members to talk about how it's responding to the changing environment. But before we get to that, new legislation to overrule a recent effort by the Federal Insurance Office to step into the state-regulated insurance industry has been introduced in the U.S. Senate. The bill would eliminate the file director's subpoena authority and also reduce needless costs to insurers and their policyholders. Congress created FIO under the Dodd-Frank Act in the wake of the financial crisis to monitor insurance markets. Before authorized by law to subpoena insurers directly, the law requires FIO to first make use of publicly available information whenever possible. The law also requires FIO to coordinate with state regulators before issuing any data call. But in October 2022, the office announced a massive climate data call using its subpoena authority. Not surprisingly, the move drew criticism from insurers, but also from the National Association of Insurance Commissioners, citing the data call's excessive reach. The Senate legislation comes on the heels of the House version of the Insurance Data Protection Act, which now includes 18 co-sponsors. In other NAIC news, the organization kicks off its fall meeting this week in Orlando. NAMIC will testify before the Property Casualty, or C, Committee on Telematics to describe how the usage-based technology can benefit consumers when they're rated more accurately. A recent Insurance Research Council study found that 80% of people who use telematics have received coaching that actually improved their driving habits, ultimately creating safer road conditions. In delivering testimony before NAIC, NAMIC Director of Auto and Underwriting Policy, Tony Cotto, says he anticipates questions from regulators on how telematics can benefit consumers. We will convey all of the consumer benefits about premium reduction, driving assistance, enhanced vehicle safety, because often they also come with things like, they're accompanied by things like airbag monitors. So if your airbag goes off, it's going to potentially automatically call law enforcement and first responders. Um, these, These are all sort of baked into these programs that our members are increasingly adopting, and we are going to just go preach the gospel, as it were, of rating accuracy and how telematics is part of the future of auto insurance. During the NAIC fall meeting, NAMIC will also testify before the Financial Condition, or E-Committee, to review the framework for regulation of insurer investments. Well, it will soon be up to a jury to decide whether Tesla and its CEO Elon Musk oversold the electric car company's autopilot system and caused a fatal crash. The case involves the 2019 death of a driver who turned on the autopilot system, took his hands off the wheel, and seconds later slammed into a truck. 
Earlier this month, a Florida judge rejected a motion from Tesla to dismiss the lawsuit. According to the judge, the plaintiff presented sufficient evidence to let the case proceed. The judge also ruled that the plaintiff can seek punitive damages that, if awarded, could reach millions of dollars. The trial is expected to take place sometime next year. Well, as we've talked about in other podcast episodes, insurers are currently in the midst of an industry environment unlike anything we've seen in the past. During NAMIC's recent testimony on Capitol Hill, the association characterized today's environment as a new era of risk, with several major factories affecting our industry. Those factors include the changing climate, inflation and other economic issues, regulatory inaction and regulatory rating inadequacy, litigation abuse, and reinsurance capacity. On today's Unscripted, NAMIC CEO Neil Aldrich sits down with Nationwide's Mark Bervin to talk about how one of NAMIC's largest members is addressing the challenges that come with this new era of risk. Well, joining me today on the Unscripted portion of the podcast uh, is someone from the industry. This is We have Mark Bervin today. Mark is the President and Chief Operating Officer at Nationwide Insurance in Columbus, Ohio, Long-time NAMIC member. Uh, we thought we would talk about some of the issues that are facing the industry. As those listeners that are in the industry know, uh, there are some challenges that we're facing as an industry. Uh, you hear NAMIC and everybody else in the industry talking about uh, this sort of new era of risk that we're facing, whether it be the extreme weather issues or the effects of of inflation and the economic pressures we've seen and the challenges related to reinsurance capacity and litigation abuse and all of those kind of fun topics. We thought we'd ask Mark to come on today uh, and he's got a seat that can look around really the whole country and see what the property casualty market looks like and what some of the trends are and what we're seeing at Nationwide. So Mark, thanks for joining us today. Neil, thank you. Really appreciate the opportunity to be here. Well, great. Well, let's just jump right into it here. Um, I, I don't know exactly what you'd say to this question, but I think I know um, at least part of it. So how would you kind of characterize the current market conditions that insurers are facing at the moment? Yeah, you know, it's hard to put probably one word to it, but uh, dynamic. Um, you know, it is yeah. <laughs> uh, it's varied a little bit, too, depending upon the line. Right. So at Nationwide uh, and by the way, we greatly appreciate the long relationship that we've had with NAMIC and the advocacy and the great work that NAMIC does day in, day out um, to help us navigate this current environment. But, uh, you know, as we think about our portfolio, it ranges all the way from an, our, our ENS business and there's actually some pretty attractive uh, parts of that uh, portfolio today as you think about where business is moving from the standard market lines, um, you know, freedom of rate and form and the regulatory environment. Mm-hmm. As you get into some of those specialty lines, there's some really good opportunity there. But across the board, you know, really challenging in kind of the core standard lines of, uh, of personal lines and kind of the traditional standard commercial portfolio uh, in pockets, right? So you go through there, as you yeah. made mention, uh, property across the board, very challenging and uh, challenging in a different way this year. You know, as we look at the catastrophe activity, it really has been knock on wood and we're nowhere near done with the year, uh, but somewhat quiet from the you know, traditional cat activity of hurricanes and wildfires and uh, what's driven some of the performance challenges of, of recent years. It's really moved into that 
frequency of moderate events that are driven by severe convective storm. And, you know, I was reading a uh, article here recently, kind of new term, but uh, labeling those events kittens as opposed to cats, but uh, just lots of them, lots of activity um, and really kind of from an earning perspective on um, primary carriers has been a challenging one if you have any kind of a, a property book. On the auto side, you made mention of it. Uh, inflationary pressures and, uh, you know, getting right through the regulatory environment and where you can't do that, kind of the capacity constraint on new business that you see everywhere uh, as you're waiting for kind of the rate to be able to catch up to the cost today. Uh, but you've also got the social inflation aspects, right? So uh, thinking about uh, the frequency of nuclear verdicts and kind of the societal change that we've seen that flows through in some of the litigation environment and the type of awards that are being presented today uh, become really challenging to try to figure out what is your real exposure. Um, so lots of things going on, but uh, throughout all of those challenges, you know, one thing that challenges always do, they create opportunities for new solutions and a lot of effort going into that space as well. Yeah, indeed, and and you mentioned it. It's a challenging set of of circumstances, especially it seems in the personal lines market. Dynamic members, you know, right, seventy percent of the homeowners market, and nearly sixty percent of the auto insurance market, and so that creates a you know interesting circumstances when you have that kind of market share uh, to deal with in terms of the membership here at Dynamic. Is there as you look at this overall, is there, are there any particular trouble spots you would point to? We're going to talk about the regulatory environment in a moment, but are there any, you know, certain things that have really caught the, your eye nationwide, or is it just sort of more? I mean, the property discussion seems to be kind of everywhere, and I don't know if this is the new, the new normal, or if this is a, you know, a little bit of a change that's maybe temporary that we're going to see. Yeah, Neil, you know that's. Um... There is a big question about that, but uh, like we were discussing, I think the reality is the severe convective storm activity that we've seen here over the last couple of years. So it's been before just 2023, uh, but the increase in frequency of significant events adding to the hurricane, the wildfire exposures that we had seen as well, creating some real challenges uh, in the property market overall. Um, you know, I think the the challenge of trying to be able to assess risk with models that haven't caught up to these um, current the current environment is something that most carriers are are struggling with today. But it's also interesting to just step back and you know identify through the property challenges with weather how much is created based upon frequency of events and how much is created actually based upon the inflation that's hitting at the same time, because we've got these two factors coming in together. So as you know, we assess the risk and where it's emerging from, you know, it really is probably as we look at some of the activity today, two thirds of the pressure coming through property is from inflation. And it's the severity piece of increase wow. of cost of repair we do have, you know, the increase in activity, especially on the severe convective storm side, uh, but it's the combination of those elements. And again, so when we talk about a new normal, 
you know, will the cost of labor decrease, right? The, the building supply materials, what's going to happen with cost from that perspective where that inflationary pressure is hitting? Um, because I do think that as we look up and we see that trend of just the volume and the frequency of events, that probably is something that we would continue to expect to see um, because it's been a long trend line that's ever increasing. It's trying to get our arms around that severity side. But I thought it was interesting, you know, looking at some industry data, and I may have the exact number wrong, but it's pretty close. Uh, second quarter, I think there were 91 days in the second quarter, and industry-coded CAT activity occurred on 88 of those days. Um, so, you know, there's definitely um, challenge uh, from that perspective, and home and property is definitely outsized. I think, again, on the auto side, um, it really is the, uh, the economic uh, issues that we're dealing with. And as we look, I think that the industry and as you see some of the publics that are reporting today, our own internal insight, you know, maybe we're reaching that po uh, uh, tipping point where rate and activity is starting to catch up with some of the trends. Um, and yet at the same time as that's going through, obviously, given what's happened in pricing here of late, a lot of consumer concern, which drives regulatory activity. And, you know, what lies ahead of us in the next year mm -hmm. from that perspective, I think, is, a, is an outstanding question that also uh, is something that we're all um, trying to understand better. Yeah, indeed. You know, I've been we've been doing a lot of work in here trying to understand what's going on and really kind of get prepared for what we think is the kind of coming legislative and regulatory reaction to what's been going on in the industry. But you're right. I mean, the, the auto side not only is just the cost of repair, the parts more expensive and taking longer to get fixed, but just I saw a stat the other day that really surprised me three years ago. There were 12 models of car on the highway that were $100,000 or more. This year, there's 32 models of car that are $100,000 or more. And, and I don't think, you know, the normal auto insurance rate making process allows for that kind of change that rapidly, very easily. Um, but it's certainly something that we're seeing impacting everybody. So let's, before we get to the regulatory side, let's spend a minute on the policyholder side. Uh, what are you hearing from consumers besides just my rates cost too much or what should consumers really understand about what's going on here? And maybe it is just explaining these dynamics uh, more, more clearly. Yeah, and, and I think that last comment is really uh, where we need to go. It's that education to the consumer about what's really driving uh, the marketplace today and what's coming from a price perspective, because obviously there's uh, a lot of question around pricing, and we're all reading that, you know, when the Wall Street Journal is talking about the affordability of insurance, uh, both on the home and the auto side, um, there's some some real concern in, in the uh, collective population of what's going on there, but you also connect it to the lack of understanding in regards to what's driving those costs. So it's again, another thing that I appreciate about NAMIC uh, as we work with Sean Kevlin as an example at the Insurance Information Institute, what we can do to continue to educate consumers as it relates to what are those things that are driving cost, um, kind of the, the reality of what the economics of an insurance company are based upon 
and, uh, you know, how we derive income from underwriting and, you know, how we navigate a regulatory process in order to get that accomplished. There's just a lot of opportunity for us to continue to advance the understanding uh, of the consumer around what's going on. And again, I think on the home and property side, there's a lot of opportunity for us to continue to educate around, you know, this is not a repair and replace contract that you have. What we're collectively trying to do, because I've never met a customer who wasn't better off by never having a claim, right? And so what do we do to predict and prevent, um, you know, build better homes, uh, everything that we can do to create more resiliency, um, I think is a really critical effort for us today. Well, let's let's turn to that just now, the, the sort of legislative and regulatory side. You mentioned the resiliency issues. That's certainly been part of our agenda for years as an industry and in trying to you know, if we're going to have people living in places where there's more frequent storms, let's perhaps protect lives and property better uh, in terms of how we build the structures. But are there, are you seeing or what's concerning to you about any sort of new legislative or regulatory trends you may see coming out of this set of circumstances? Yeah, I, again, maybe I'll focus first though, Neil, on some of the opportunity that's there. Right. As mm -hmm. uh, as we look at rising costs and, you know, the pressure that that places on consumers, there's probably never been a better time for us to make sure that that education focuses out there on things that we can do to reduce damage, to save lives, to lessen the need for uh, federal aid, as an example of what we do in, in the engagement with FEMA and in different events and where that goes. But um, you know, we've been really focused on, uh, as a mutual insurance company and in partnership with NAMIC, right, we obviously look at the short term and, you know, what we need to do to perform today, but we also understand that there are certain things that are going to take a long time of investment and communication and education, and that's where we really are focused today a lot on this building code issue. Uh, partnership mm -hmm. with IBHS and, you know, what they're doing from a fortified standard. But, you know, simple things like we look across the country and I think FEMA uh, recently reported 65% of U.S. counties, cities and towns really are not uh, in any way adhering to uh, any form of a building code. And when you look at, you know, the significant reduction in loss that can occur from just some basic standards of, of uh a building. I think that there's a real opportunity for us there. Um, you know, and I, I think it's an issue, and I was talking about this uh, with one of your leaders here recently. Um, as we think about the impact that the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety had on vehicles, and, you know, you look back over three decades, the change that has occurred in vehicle safety um, on the home and building side it's a lot more complex. There are a lot more builders than there are uh, vehicle manufacturers, but in the same way, how we educate to inform how to create safer properties that can save lives and also mitigate cost. And at the end of the day, that's good for the consumer because as we reduce cost as an insurance carrier, that actually is reflected in the rates that consumers pay for their insurance. So, I think this challenging time in some ways is creating an opportunity that there are probably more listening ears 
to what the issues are than maybe what we would have had here in the recent past. Yeah, that's a great way to characterize it. I think you're right. I do. I do. When we talk about this in the public spaces, whether it be with reporters or or in, in other circumstances, it does seem to be that there are people that sort of understand some of the underlying economic issues here. If lumber costs more, if roofing costs more, if cars cost more to replace or to fix, then your insurance is probably going to cost more too. People seem to kind of understand that connection, but uh, we, we have a lot of work to do there, but it, there does seem to be some awareness of the connection between these economic factors and what's going on in the industry. The building cone issue is a great example. It's something that you know, I'm very proud of our work here at NAMIC. We've worked with you all and the IBHS for for decades on this. I do believe that your, your analogy to the highway safety one is very apt here. Um, we would love it if people began to shop for homes based on their their its sort of safety rating or its construction quality. People shop for cars, right? That safety rating in the auto space really matters. And, and we know we have a corollary there, but you're right. It's going to take a lot more time to get that understanding into the consumers as they, as they look uh, for properties going forward. But I do think we're on the right path there. Um, so there's a lot there for us to work on. So you mentioned some of this along the way. Anything, you know, NAMIC is here. We're obviously nationwide dynamic have had decades long relationship, uh, usually in the advocacy space where we're running around either Washington states working on issues uh, on behalf of you, but also the rest of the membership at NAMIC. Uh, anything you would direct us towards in particular? I know we've talked about a lot of issues already here today. Yeah, you know, I think we've really talked about it. I think at the end of the day, we're sitting here saying, Neil, there's such a great opportunity for us and maybe the timing is right from an education and advocacy perspective uh, to help customers, government officials, other stakeholders better understand our industry and how we can drive better collective outcomes. And that's been core to what NAMIC has always done. And I think, uh, you know, again, the opportunity presents itself today. I just gauge things on uh, probably five years ago, if I was at a uh, local event or something in my neighborhood and the insurance topic came up, you know, there was maybe air quotes, mild interest at best of folks listening and, and having conversation. Yeah. As I uh, have those conversations today, there's a whole lot more interest in understanding. And I also find that, you know, people, people get it when they truly understand what we're trying to accomplish and, and the dynamics that we're all faced with. So I think it's staying core to what NAMIC has always done. It's about that advocacy, education, helping across customers, government officials, you know, distribution professionals and how we work with our agency force to kind of, again, collectively be the voice at a local level of how we all drive better outcomes together. Yeah, indeed, that's, that's sort of what we do. We we really spend a lot of time trying to educate people and policymakers in particular. It's a great advantage to be the advocate for, for the mutual insurance industry because you're right, the mutual companies can take a little longer term view of this. They can take a little more time in trying to explain things. It's one of the real advantages of being the advocate for this industry and something that we here at NAMIC take very seriously. Well, listen, Mark, thank you for your time today. Thanks for the conversation. We have a lot of work to do, 
uh, but I know we'll tackle it together and I know we will get to a better place as an industry. Uh, that's one thing we always seem to do is we able, we're able to navigate these challenges and, and get to a better place <clears throat> as an industry going forward and serve the policyholders continually. So thanks again, Mark, for your leadership. Thanks for your membership uh, in NAMIC and thanks for joining me today. Nope. Thank you. And I think core to the mutual uh, mission is kind of that we can do more together than we can do individually on our own. And uh, that's one of the reasons why we uh, appreciate so much NAMIC. And that's a wrap for this week's episode of Insurance Uncovered. We'll be back on December 13th for our final episode of the year. Hard to believe, but another year about to end. Until next time, I'm Kathy Imus. Have a great day.